show, uh, Mr. Jeff Renzulli. Hello, Scott Alpin and Matt Wallace. Yeah, we are so, so glad to have the, one of the OGs join us again today. And uh, he has brought with him one of his uh, longtime contacts and friends. Um, you know, I, I'm thrilled to uh, to hear about this gentleman's background and everything, you know, the whole uh, history of everything that he's done in the golf world. Um, he is uh, the co-founder and co-CEO of Pacific Pine Sports, uh, former CEO of Shanghai Sports, uh, who had a 20-year partnership with the PGA Tour. He's been heavily involved with the PGA Tour China for many years, uh, instrumental in helping many of our young young Friar pros. And we'll get into talking about Hunterman and Trevor Sluman at some point. Uh, he founded I3 Sports, which is, has done a tremendous amount of work for the youth and in uh, and, and, um, and, and the golf world. Uh, so welcome to the show, Mr. Ray Rossell. Well, thank you very much. Great to be here. And I think gentlemen might be a, a strong use of that word, but uh, no, excited to spend some time together today. Yeah, we're, we're thrilled to have you. And, and, I, and we have to apologize in advance that you are sitting there next to Mr. OG Jeff Renzulli, and I'm, but I'm sure you guys are going to have a good time uh, the, re the remainder of the day playing golf at RTJ. We are. We're, we are in the president's room at RTJ, site of the 2024 Solheim Cup, and uh, we're overlooking the lake. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, fantastic. You know, I, I've, I've been fortunate to, to, to join you, Jeff, at RTJ many times. It's one of my favorite properties I've, I've ever visited. Um, uh, jealous that you're there, and and uh, I'm sure you guys will have fun. So, let's jump right into this, Jeff. If you might kick us off a little bit, I think you can do do this justice. Is tell us how you met Ray, and and tell us you know kind of your relationship over the years. Well, you know my my role in Buffalo Group is general counsel, and I was at the PGA show several years ago, and uh, Kyle Ragsdale, who is a prior and the CEO of Buffalo Group introduced me to Ray, and we chatted and exchanged business cards as you do at the PGA show all the time. Fast forward 2019, 2020, uh, the Friars did a trip to South Africa, and Ray at the time, and still is, is living in South Africa, and I emailed Ray and said, yeah, I've got 12 Friars coming, uh, would you be able to get together. Not only did we get together, we played his club, Royal Cape, which is outstanding. Uh, but Ray had us over to his uh, rooftop apartment in Cape Town, and we hung out and had a great time and um, have connected and kept in touch over the years. And I just love his background and what he's done in the world of golf and find him fascinating. And so um, he's become a good friend. And his, ironically enough, his dad lives here in Virginia. So that's why he's here visiting us right now. Fantastic. Now, Ray, if, if, if you do not mind, maybe maybe give us a 10,000 foot view of what got you into the golf world. And, you know, you, you don't have to go through your whole resume at this point, but kind of kind of kind of tell us how you got into golf and and what you know, what got you going? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think like many people, I mean, I, I grew up Madison, Wisconsin, uh, great sports town, you know, she's, I think, 100 yards from a municipal golf course. And I didn't start, you know, super young. I think my dad took me golfing when I was around 10 or 11. You know, my first job after doing everyone's paper out 
you know, was just, uh, you know, I, I was a range rat, right? So I went over to the club, met the club pro there that was there forever. And, um, you know, Tom Benson, who, you know, was an early mentor and started picking up range balls there at the public course, ended up caddying it, you know, Nakoma Country Club, kind of one of the private clubs down the road, uh, played high school golf and then trying to figure out what to do. I, you know, I think my high school uh, counselor said, you know, there's this PGM program, professional golf management. Uh, so I, you know, fast forward, went to Mississippi State uh, for that. So that was an interesting change coming from a pretty liberal Madison going down to Starkville, Mississippi, uh, you know, and did four great years there, which was, you know, a fantastic program. And I, during that time, I spent a year in China uh, on internship. Uh, my roommate there loved China, went back right away. I finished school and joined Golf Tech, which I think everybody probably knows now. That was founded by a couple friends of mine. And I worked in Chicago and then in their headquarters in, in Denver and then had the opportunity to go back to China uh, in, I think, 2001. I was living on a cruise ship, took a year off and was traveling around, uh, theoretically working, but more just uh, playing golf and met my now wife at, at the time and convinced her to go back to China or Hong Kong for a year and you know, that's 20 years later. Um, I've kind of been there ever since. And as Jeff mentioned, uh, been in Cape Town the last few years. And my wife is South African. We've always had a place there. And that was kind of COVID driven. But, you know, really, I've been in Asia and in Hong Kong and China for, yeah, the last 20, 25 years. And really went from being a golf coach to getting into events and, and then, you know, really having the opportunity to work with you know, the PGA Tour, the likes of Tiger and Rory and doing some kind of made for TV events and, you know, always having a very, as a, I think now 25 year PGA of America member, working closely with Joe Starenka, who you guys know well, uh, back when he was CEO and talking about how can we develop golf in Asia and China specifically. And, you know, we now signed a 20 year partnership with the PGA of America for, you know, how to develop golf in, you know, kind of greater China. And that's led to golf, basketball, tennis, um, and football or soccer, as we call it here. So that's kind of the short, the short version of what we've been doing, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that, that sounds fantastic. I, I've got to go back to Stark Vegas. Um, yeah. I, I I spent some time in in Starkville uh, back in the spring for a Friars trip, and I got stuck in Stark Vegas for an extra night by myself, and and ventured out downtown. What a fun city that is. Well, I, I think it's changed a lot. I mean, I was back, uh, I can't remember what year, the year that State was number one in football for a fleeting moment. I was there for opening game and, and kind of saw that with Dak. And then, you know, I say it was because I was there that we were, you know, led us to being number one. And that that was, uh, you know, until we ran into the big teams of Alabama and the the usual. But, uh, you know, the city's great. And it, and it was, um, you know, it was a culture shock coming from Madison, but you know, still great friends, you know, tons of good friends. And, and I saw that Friars trip and Jeff and I were just talking about it. I mean, you know, to go play at Old Waverly and now Mossy Oak and, and it's such a quaint little town, uh, great golf. And then, you know, you've got the cowbells and the SEC and, you know, it, it was a fantastic, you know, five or four and a half years. And my little fraternity brother ran that program after we left for almost 20 years. And Adam Scott, who's the director now is a great guy. So, you know, anyone who's looking to get into golf, it, you know, it's a fantastic uh, experience. So, 
That is exciting. And we, uh, one of the, one of the items on that, that trip uh, was getting to see the new uh, Mississippi state practice facility they've built there uh, at, at Mossy Oak. I don't know if you've been back and, and seen that since, but a, a lot of our uh, less skilled friars, including myself, were like looking at that because the, the clubhouse is kind of in the wheelhouse of the, of the driving range for where, uh, where those kids are, are, are teeing off at. But uh, yeah, that was, that was a great trip. Um, also had a, had a, a friend that, that caddied at Nakoma high, uh, Nakoma country club up in Madison. And uh, I, I've got some good friends in, in Madison, try to get back there uh, at least once a year. And I mean, I'm sure you can kind of vouch for it, but no, there, no. there may not be a better public golf state in, in the United States than, than Wisconsin, especially those, those three weeks of summer you guys got up there. Yeah. I know you said Nakoma, that's the club, you know, that was down the road and that's where I caddied and, if you're ever there and you don't have the membership number, 004 was the uh, <laughs> was the caddy account that you could throw stuff on at the halfway house. I, I'm, I'm fairly certain it probably still works. So it's, uh, you're talking to maybe the 1988, you know, caddy champion, uh, if I remember correctly. And I and I have hit one in the pool off the first tee to the right. So it's uh, yeah, great little course, right? Um, and you know, now Wisconsin is just chocker full of, of great golf and even look at i know what i haven't been back but i did an internship and they have two nine hole courses municipal and mike kaiser just redid one for free wow. uh you know glenway uh glenway golf course right in the city but you know you've got sand valley and obviously you have you know the whole american club stuff so there, there's crazy great great golf um you know yeah. in, in that limited time in wisconsin so yeah yeah it's it's constantly changing and constantly added to um Kind of, you mentioned, um, I guess, when you were Mississippi State, you did a year in, in China. Um, what was the golf scene like then com- compared to what it's been like now over there? I know it seems like it's it's grown everywhere globally. Um, I'm sure there is, especially that market taking off. Yeah, so we, w- we went there in end of 96 and kind of spent all in 97. I mean, that was back. We were at Mission Hills Resort uh, or Golf Club. You know, then it had two golf courses. They were in the process of building two more. They now have 22. Uh, we run all, that was our first partnership when we launched the PJ of America uh, partnership in 2018. So we run all the academies there, you know, in terms of scope. Uh, I think we have 2,500 students in our program there. They're doing about 2,000 rounds a day. Wow. Right. So they've, you know, and like everywhere globally, it's, it's benefited because of COVID and especially in China, because as most people are aware, it was locked down and no one could travel. So golf there was crazy. Our business, while our other sports were quite affected uh, through the closures, our golf business has doubled, maybe even tripled since, you know, kind of the end of 2019. So, you know, and then there was a massive golf boom in general from the late nineties through 2004, 2008. And then I think there was, you know, a pretty well publicized and even the Western media crackdown on golf course develop. I don't think it was a crackdown on golf. I think that's a little more exaggerated especially in the kind of western media it was really more a land use so how did you know maybe the landowner acquire the land or all the land because it takes you know roughly 200 acres uh you know so there was a crack there was a crackdown on golf so you haven't seen much new golf course development if anything there was closures over the last 10 years but that's stabilized uh but then with you know i think from 2000 when we had golf come back into the rio games uh, when they announced that, I think in 09, uh, you know, coming up to the 16 games, you saw a huge investment from the local governments in creating teams and junior golf. So 
even though there hasn't been new golf course development, we've really seen a rise in junior golf participation, the ease of access to golf courses, uh, you know, at a government level or even a private level. So, and I think you see that, you know, with the kids coming through, whether it's Hao Tong, you know, Li Hao Tong, who I used to manage and obviously was the PGA Tour Series China first order of merit winner and, you know, played on uh, now the Corn Ferry Tour web.com back then. Uh, but now is, you know, just one, you know, a couple of weeks ago on the European tour after a little bit of a drought, but you have Rose Zhang, you know, uh, you know, number one female on the Wagger rankings, crushing it. Uh, you, know, you got a couple other PGA tour players now with Dojit Zhang, uh, you know, so you've seen, you've seen some success, right? Uh, so it's been great. I think you'll still see more, uh, you know, but yeah, it's been an exciting time. Great, crazy 20 years, right? I mean, the, some of the stories we've had and, you know, we had Tiger and Rory for two years in a row for a made for TV event. And you just see the people, you know, anywhere you are walking around with all those guys, that's pretty, pretty crazy. So it's been, uh, you know, it's been fun. Yeah. Um, let me, let me ask you, I, I know the various um, Asian nations have kind of different cultures and, and traditions as a term, as it comes to golf. I know, I think it's the, maybe the Japanese and the Koreans usually will stop, stop between the nines and have a full lunch sit down. It's kind of the, the expectations. Um, what, what does a typical round look like in, in China um, compared to kind of what your, your typical experience is in the United States? Is there a big difference or do you think it's, it's, it's pretty similar? Yeah, I think the Korea one's funny. I mean, I'll, I'll just touch on that with a kind of interesting, uh, we were doing an event for FedEx. I used to run all the corporate days in Asia and it was our first time doing an event in Korea. We do it and I, you know, I'm kind of pacing the time and everything's going good. But all of a sudden, I'm like, it's really weird. It's really slow. I'm not seeing anyone finish. It's like an hour off normal. I'm like, what is going on, right? And they do. They stop for this lunch. And, you know, it's full set lunch. And I get the bill at the end of the day. And we're like thousands of dollars over our budget. And I'm like, what is, like, what has done this? You know, what's going on? And everyone stopped and had this fairly expensive, you know, 50 bucks, I don't know, 75 bucks a head lunch. You know, and it was six hours, six and a half hour round. It was crazy. Tough one to explain to the, the FedEx team why we're thousands of dollars over budget. But, you know, look, China's, I, I think what you're seeing, and we were talking to a client where we we're looking at renovating a course for them. I think what's interesting is with the rise of their, you know, economy over the last 20 years, you have a lot of people traveling overseas and it really maturing. So when I was there in 96, you'd have people who buy a membership, show up not knowing what golf is and being cliched, they might have rappers on the clubs and the, the girls are showing up in high heels. It was really like that. It was crazy. Now you have, you know, it's still a very elite sport, right? You know, every club's private. There's maybe one or two public courses, but you have everyone who's traveled so much. So they played great golf. They might've been here. They might've played pebble or all of that. So you're seeing, you know, them really experience what it's meant to be a club. And that's what, you know, Jeff and I were talking about breakfast. And does a club have to be a physical club or could it just be a group of friends that you play with? Uh, and that's, you know, there's probably three or four clubs in the country that do that well. Uh, our COO, Patrick Quirneman, he redid a course. They did Nicholas Club in Beijing, small footprint, like 150 acres, walking only. And when they did it, everyone's like, oh, no, no, Chinese have to be in cards. They won't do it. You know, and they redid this whole philosophy. You have to walk, you have to do an interview, right? So it's not just put your money down. And at first there was a little resistance, but when they got into it, then it really caught on, right? 
and they did like lots of great club events, member guest, um, you know, so I think it's, uh, there's an appreciation for that. And I think there's a huge opportunity. So if you can go in and do what we love, great member guests, great weekend events. I don't know if you do like the um, discovery golf stuff where you see, you know, you go to like Troubadour and they've got the hidden bottle of, uh, you know, tequila or whiskey under the, you know, under the sprinkler head box. I think that there's an opportunity and that's kind of, we're, we're pitching that to some of our potential clients. You know, it's that soft dollar stuff. And it's very easy for them to spend, you know, what X amount to build an incredible golf course. But I think now there's this, uh, you know, the average players becoming more mature. They're seeing it on TV, all that, uh, you know, so you're kind of getting what we grew up with that club atmosphere, you know, they're, they're looking for that now. And I think there's a greater, oh, good opportunity or appreciation uh, for that. Yeah, Ray, I, I, I have a question here or maybe a comment as well. Um, what, you know, it, when, when you're working with these tournaments and putting on these events, you know, what are some of the, the biggest struggles, uh, of, of putting everything together? Uh, I have a little experience working within a, with a, with a PGA tour event. And we worked with a company actually called company 20 out of New York that managed the Wyndham championship. And they've got just subcontractors all over the place, putting this all together. Do you guys centralize that where you can, you know, have a blueprint to, to make everything easy or is it, is it all over the place as well? Um, yeah, good question. I, I think it depends on, you know, what event we're doing, uh, you know, typically. So with our partnership with the PGA, with the PGA tour, you know, we were kind of operating it top to bottom, you know, so we had it, we were running again, those are development events, right? So that's similar to PGA tour Canada or Latino America. You know, so our team ran everything. We had a team of three from the PGA Tour that were full-time, a chief referee, Jamie Wiles, who was fantastic, Greg Carlson, who was our executive director. We've worked on many President's Cups, um, really great guy. Uh, and then we had a media guy and then kind of a part-time agronomy, head of agronomy that flying and checked the golf courses. But our team then ran everything else, right? So we had a full Chinese rules team or, you know, all obviously RNA, USGA certified, uh, but those are a little bit smaller scale. We, we had a blueprint, right? We were doing 14 events a year and, you know, just kind of running around and did everything though, because it's, you know, if you come to RTJ here, you're going to have a really well-experienced team that can help you often in China, their golf courses have never held an event or they've only held a corporate event. So, you know, thinking through live TV and, and all of that, it, you know, we really kind of came in and did everything. Um, uh, and then at our larger events, we'll, we're going to be doing a European tour event uh, that we'll announce shortly somewhere in Southeast Asia. Uh, I can't say it yet, but it'll be out and I'm pretty excited about that. But again, you know, the tour will, you know, the DP World Tour will work closely with them, but we kind of run most of it on the ground. Uh, that golf course that we'll do it at has hosted some events before. Fantastic GM that's done a lot of, he was at Lake Nona before. So uh, it kind of depends, but you're, you're always... Uh, I'd say you want to rely on yourself um, more than anyone else in that kind of in that market. Uh, but, but that's to me, a lot of the exciting aspects to it. Uh, it's the challenge, but, but also what makes it fun. And typically the, these places haven't done events before and they're super excited to do it. And, you know, the, you know, the, the fans that come out and the members, you know, maybe they haven't seen, if it's a star player, they haven't seen them before. Uh, 
you know, so in general, yeah, maybe challenging, but uh, overall, I think everyone's excited, which makes it that much easier. Scott, I always, I always tell Don, this is Jeff here. I always tell Don that, you know, the Friars events are like running the circus. You know, everybody sits in the stands of the circus and they think, well, whoa, well, look at that. Well, how'd that just happen? Wow, well, nobody had any idea that was going to happen. It's all pre-planned and it's all behind the scenes and the challenge and the fun is being the guy behind the scenes and making it all work. And that's really, I think Ray would agree, that's, that's kind of the cool thing of running these events is nobody knows who you are, but you kind of make everything work. Yeah, right, right. Well, Ray, Ray, speaking of fun, tell us, tell us, a, you know, one of your favorite stories of maybe, you know, jumping into a program and playing with some, with some guys or some, some, some sponsors, four players. Are there some, some good stories? Yeah. I mean, like we, we played a bunch of the, you know, we had Joe Gunnerman. We, I played with, you know, Sluman and, you know, young guys are always fun to play with. Right. I mean, you have on the, PJ Tour Series China, you have these guys who are aspiring, right? And and to me, I, I tell a lot of it, you know, you go to a PJ Tour event or, you know, everyone knows kind of Tiger or BJ's, you know, routine of how much they practice. And you go on this developmental tour and I always look at it and say, yeah, they're out there trying to make it. And you can see right away who's going to do it or not, right? Because the way I look at it, they're spending a lot of time, they're flying to China and the guys could be out drinking, they could be out partying, and you can right away see who's just out to kind of play and who really wants to, are they hitting the gym? You know, are, are they doing that? But look, the, the China, the, the PGA Tour stuff was a little cookie cutter, I think. You know, some of the more fun things that we've done. I mean, we did an event, and it's quite ironic given some of the live golf stuff. We did an event in 2011, so I'm dating myself here, but it was with uh, Rory, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, and then at the time... Uh, Lin Wen Chung, which was China number one player. And we did, it was called the grade 18. So we, original concept was 18, one hole on 18 courses in China. Uh, we ended up playing nine courses, two holes, but we had two private jets, seven days, eight different cities. And, uh, and I still have the video content. It's even on YouTube. We, IMG did the video for us or, and it was a made for TV special, but that was incredible. You're, you take it off two private jets, you'd land. And, uh, and I remember we landed in this town called Jenjo. I never even did the site visit. My team had done it. We land on this runway, two jets. There's seven Rolls Royces lined up on the runway in 12 BMW 7 Series. So all of us get out. We get in this. And I remember riding in the car with Rory. And everyone's like, what is going on? We've got like a police escort through town. All the roads are shut down. In miles, we're going probably 100 miles an hour through this to this golf course. I mean, it was just, you get there three, 4,000 people and we're just playing two holes, right? The chairman of the golf course, he gave a apartment to Lee, right? I mean, it was just in some of the video, you know, they're hitting balls in the fans. I mean, they happen to even know what golf is. They're running out onto the range, picking the golf balls up. It, you know, it's just, it was wild. And that passion and that, it was interesting that we were there for four hours. We landed, played two holes left. The chairman loved it. The next year we brought back Tiger Rory and did, you know, a whole day with them. Um, and it was even more crazy, right? Yeah. So it, it uh, you know, and then you take that event and, and, you know, and that when we had Tiger Rory there, what was really neat, again, middle of nowhere, obviously super busy. And I remember uh, for my team at the, 
the hotel we were at, I'd booked the bar out, you know, we had security all closed, but just for my team. And we're coming back from the dinner and we're with Tiger and he's like, well, what are you doing? And I said, oh, you know, I booked the bar and, you know, just for the team, if you guys want to come by, you're welcome. And I didn't think they, you know, like, yeah, what do they, why do they want to do that? Straight into the bar. <laughs> and it's like eight o'clock. We were there to like one, two in the morning, just with Tiger Roy. There's like 30 of us super laid back, I think casual. So they kind of let the guard down and we just had such a fun evening. Uh, you know, so it's just those little experiences like that, uh, that I think are, were really cool. You know, that's, and then the guys are nice, right? That, that sounds just like a Friars trip to me, Jeff. I mean, it does. I mean, that's what we do. We book the bar down and then somebody is designated to sit there and wait till it closes. Yeah. So, so Ray, just to kind of dive into this uh, event that you have with Rory and Tiger, Lee Westwood and such. To me, that sounds like uh, live before live. Um, I mean, I, I hope I'm not, you know, saying that uh, incorrectly, but, you know, those guys were taking some paydays, I assume, back then. Uh, and now live is in the in the world. And, and a lot of guys are taking paydays as well for 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 uh, almost made for TV events. Yeah, I think it's a little different. I mean, we had a you know, I mean, I'm, I think the live one's interesting and, and everyone in golf talks about it a lot now. You know, I don't think we invented that. I mean, it was similar to kind of like the Battle of the Bridges with with Tiger and Duval. And, you know, again, we did that, that not the seven-day event, but the, the Tiger-Rory two years in a row and the Monday of HSBC. Uh, so I think it's more similar to what, you know, Tiger and Rory are looking to do, you know, with, um, with the Tomorrow, you know, project they just launched. Obviously a little different, but – and Tiger's done a bunch of with, you know, you saw the, the stuff they've done recently, right, with Phil and – and those guys. So, um, I think there's always, there's always been corporate days and, and add-ons personally, I think if it works around an event, it's very good. Uh, you know, whether that is a star player that is doing a sponsor day that then encourages them to participate in that event, you know, obviously on the PGA tour, there technically wasn't ever appearance fees, European tour there was a little more open or allowed. Uh, but I think on the PGA tour, there was, you know, if you're sponsored by Buick, as Tiger was, you know, he likely played in the Buick event and, and did a corporate day the Monday before the Monday after, um, you know, and I think in China specifically, or even globally, I mean, I think people want to see the stars and it's how can you make them available uh, to people? I, I, you know, no matter what, I'm one side or other on the live, I, you know, I think forcing some change and looking at some different formats is okay. I, I'm a big fan of the PGA Tour and that structure and especially the pathway. I mean, I think the pathway from PJ Tour Series China, Latin America, Canada, the Corn Ferry, I think that works, right? And, and that's been proven and you see the guys rise through that. And I'd even add in something like the, you know, Asia Pacific Amateur and the Latin, you know, Latin Am with Augusta and the RNA, what they've done, you look at Hideki, you know, he won the Asian Am twice, you know, then worked his way up and you know, we all know who he is now. Uh, you know, so I think that, that pathway is good. I, you know, I, you know, will live be around and, uh, you know, I don't, I can understand why some of those players made that choice. I don't hold that against any of them. So, sure. and I know a bunch of the guys working for live and are all great, great, individually great guys. So. Yeah. What's, what, what's that look like behind the scenes for, for the folks putting on these events or, or is there animosity there? Like, like we, seem to see on the on the tour player from the tour players um 
Look, I, I haven't. I mean, I, I haven't been to a live event yet because uh, they've all been in the U.S. and and uh, maybe I'll go see when I'm around for a couple more weeks. So I know we've got Chicago, which is my old stomping ground. So and great golf course, Rich Harvest Farms. Um, you know, look, I think it, it's a contractor level. I mean, look, people just want to run great events. Uh, you know, and I think it's just a job at a certain point for 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 certain people. Uh, you know, and yeah, that's a tough one. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you have friends in whether it's politics uh, on anything, right? I mean, at the end of the day, and I think even the Friars Club is interesting. I mean, I remember Jeff, when we went to that first event, I mean, there's people on every side of the fence, but, you know, and I, and I think that's one of the challenges you have today is that you kind of get pulled on a fence one where there's this extremism, whereas I, at least personally for me, I feel growing up, everyone still had different views, but you kind of came together. Now you, you kind of get pushed so wide uh, and maybe golf brings that back together hopefully yeah well not to be uh, not to be uh, preview this but uh, what did you say about i think the the attitude has to be about what the japanese say about how you do a business deal right we were talking about that earlier which is well let's see how it all goes right yeah they're very conservative and you know I, look disruption isn't bad right and and again i'm a fan of the pga tour and the structure and, and the european tour uh, you know, does that mean there isn't a place? I'm, I'm not too sure. And in the end, we'll all find out in a couple of years, right? Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, not to totally do it about face, but um, I'm a huge, like, club tech junkie. What, I mean, what, what was it like kind of the early days golf tech? I mean, it seemed, at the time, it definitely seemed like um, kind of a trendsetter in terms of, um creating a, a more nationalized uh, club fitting service to, and, and all those things. And they're still one of the most prominent companies when it comes to that. There's, there's been a few others that um, have kind of gotten to the same space, but what, what, was, what was your time like with golf tech? Yeah. I mean, it's um, I enjoyed it. I mean, I was, I think only actually there about three years. Uh, then I owned the Hawaii franchise for a few years. Uh, kind of the intention there was to eventually do some stuff in Asia so we kind of dabbled before they were doing international business. I mean, look, Joe and Mike, who founded it, are very good friends. And obviously, Joe is still the, the CEO. Um, and then Steve Bowerly, who's one of my best friends, was you know head of their franchise sales uh, and now runs Golf Tech Events, uh, which is a great business that does a ton of activation for PGA Tour events. Look, I think what's neat with what Golf Tech's done, uh, I think there are 230 stores now. They have a couple in Asia. Uh, you know, and back then it was, you know, all the tech stuff was new, the 3D and you, you couldn't do that. It was expensive, right? I mean, if you were a, a pro, I mean, I remember, I want to say a, a single studio or bay for us was 50, 60,000 US to build with the, you know, the skill technologies that we use. I think Swing Solutions is this, the video side and all that. You know, what's really neat now is just the price of tech in general has come down, right? So, I mean, whether it's, uh, you know, the sports box AI, right? So what's, you know, what uh, Jihei uh, Lee has done and Stephanie Wei on that, you're doing 3D just with your phone. It's crazy, right? Um, you know, very accurate. You've got the launch monitors, whether it's, you know, we do a lot of work with FlightScope and obviously Foresight and all those guys, but you're seeing that price come down. And then I think what's really changed it is, you know, you're seeing the data, the average fan sees it on the PGA Tour, right? Not even just the guys using it on the range, because you saw TrackMan, 
but now it's integrated into the broadcast. So you know what the data means, you know, ball speed off the club face, you know, path, open, you know, deep plane, all that. You understand it and now it's accessible. TrackMan at 20 grand, it's too expensive for the average person and for a lot of pros to buy, right? Now, you, I was telling Jeff, you can, I just built a little simulator in my house in, in Cape Town and I bought a Mevo Plus, it's two grand, uh, great quality data. Is it? Is it? You know, the same as their X3 or a TrackMan or GC Quad, I'd say it's definitely good enough for me. And then they had a pro pack. So for another 800 bucks or a grand, you get full club data. Uh, and that's, you know, it's $3,000 or, you know, it's not inexpensive, you know, it's not cheap, but it's definitely affordable for, for a lot of golfers. And you can go for $500, you can get the Mevo or, you know, I have a Rapsodo as well. So I think that that data it's just become so much more accessible. And I think you're only going to see it become less expensive and, you know, more accessible. That, 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 yeah, that, that's awesome. And it's, yeah, it's like, um, it, it, are those, the, the smaller devices, they're, they're not a hundred percent accurate in terms of like comparison to a, a full flight scope or uh track man, but if they're 95% accurate at 5% of the cost, then, uh, for for you and me, that's that's probably damn good enough. But oh, wait, uh, Matt, yeah, you're about forty percent accurate. So. Yeah, that that might be on a good day. <laughs> yeah, that look. That's what, I mean. That's what I mean. You know, I think the interesting thing is, and yeah, look, I'm a PJ member, but I still take tons of lessons. I take, you know, lesson every other week from, you know, from the pro at my club. I work with our director of golf, who probably hates, you know, is back at our academy. I'm sending him video all the time, uh, and I took when I was back in Hong Kong you know, a lesson from a, a couple of our teachers just to play around, you know, the game is so hard, <laughs> you know, but if you can, if you can go take some lessons and make sure that you use video and hopefully some tech, but then you have the ability when you go practice, right. Then to check on yourself and make sure that you're, you know, staying on track. I think that's the key because you could always go and take a lesson. And th but then when you go back to the range or you're playing, you know, the issue is you just want to see the ball fly well and you end up just going, you know, if I hit a bad shot, okay, I'm just, you manipulate it versus really working on what you should be. So, you know, if you can throw your phone down or you can throw something that's small and light and easy and check your path, right? Okay. I know that I'm whatever, a couple of degrees inside out, outside in club face open. Then you can really work on that. You're not relying only on ball flight which, you know, you just end up manipulating stuff to try to get the ball to fly good. You can really work on your swing. And then you can dot like you know, something as simple as dialing yardages. And I mean, I do a, a ton of just, you know, wedge work in terms of figuring out how far I hit it. Uh, you know, and I think that's, if you talk to an average amateur, how do you shape, even for me, I think Jeff and I were talking about, I'm a, a two right now. I'd love to get under scratch again. For me, it's it's probably less swing technique. It's more... And I've been studying a little bit of um, kind of that decade golf. Uh, you know, he was in the news a little lately, but um, mm. but that you know, it's not about necessarily hitting it any better. It's about not making mistakes. If you study the stats, not making a double, it's not necessarily making more birdies. Uh, but you know, how far do I hit my wedges? Miscre you know, so I you know, the tech can really help you. Can you just use an app and see where you know? Now you can just carry your phone around and it'll track it for you, right? I think the Arcos things tells you oh, yeah. how far. So I, I think that's exciting and it makes the game more fun for people. Uh, and we're trying to do in our business, trying to do a lot of that as well. How can we incorporate kind of seamless tech into our, 
into our business. But Golf Tech themselves have done a phenomenal job of of doing that, and uh, yeah, they've done a great job. So, yeah, Ray, I I, I was uh, d doing some reading last night, and it looks like you had developed a lot of youth sports camps uh, as well over, uh, I believe, in China with your with your programs. I'm very interested to, to hear a little bit about that. I, you know, not a lot of people know this, but I was a college basketball coach uh, years ago and I did some travels over in Europe and spent some time in Amsterdam and Pompendal at the, um, at the Olympic training facility. And we ran some camps for some European players for a few weeks. And I, I think uh, I really appreciate it. it. Looks like how you're trying to grow uh, sports with youth. And, you know, what does that look like in the future for you and your company? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think for me, I mean, the, the event stuff's great, right? I mean, hanging out with tour players and, and that stuff's fun, uh, you know, but really, you know, I grew up, you know, middle class or I don't know, upper middle class. And, you know, Madison, I, I never thought that I'd live 20 years in Asia and be living in Cape Town and have these experiences uh, travel all over. And it's really from sports. And so I'm super passionate about the doors that it that it can open for people. And it, it doesn't mean that you need to be Tiger Woods. Uh, you know, if you look at the ability to play uh, college sport and it's not just golf, you know, there's half a million uh, student athletes in the NCAA across all three divisions. And that doesn't include um, IAA and all the other smaller schools. Uh, if we talk about Asian representation across uh, there's two percent of you know student athletes are Asian. So if we if we're an Asian focused company, obviously, we just did a really interesting report at the top 15 schools. So Ivy League plus like uh, Cal, you know Berkeley, Stanford, 11 percent are Asian, right? Yeah, yeah. So really interesting. Top three sports for that: golf, well, fencing, golf, and tennis. Uh, you know, so really kind of interesting stats for us. So you know our basketball program. You might know this, Scott is five star. So, mm -hmm. you know, at my age, I don't know exactly how old you are, but you know, five star was this elite basketball kind of, you know, camp. Um, and, you know, they were originally a partner with us in China. We, we since, you know, kind of bought them out, you know, our basketball and our football, our soccer business is a little bit more grassroots at probably age five to 11. And then as the kids get to high school, it goes a little bit down just as they kind of concentrate on education. We have a couple kids, you know, playing that have come and played some small, um, you know, college basketball in the U.S., but not a lot. I think in golf and tennis, especially, they're individual sports, a little bit easier for us to, to have success. Uh, and then we have a ton playing, you know, like even in golf, we just had two girls go to Northwestern. I think we have one at USC, another kid just accepted at uh, Washington. And in tennis, I'll be interested, that's a new sport for us. We launched tennis about a year ago and we'll, in about a month or two, announce a, a kind of a global partnership similar to our PJ of America brand with, with kind of a governing body. Um, but I'm excited. I think tennis will, will do, it's obviously popular in China already and, and some success, but I think it'll mirror our, our, our golf business very well. And also like we were asking about the golf business in China, right now, a lot of the clubs in China are just golf courses. There's an opportunity to become a country club, just like we're talking. So, you know, can we go and put put in some tennis courts, put in a pool, do some swimming, you know, make it a real good club feel rather than just pitch up, play golf and leave. But, you know, for us, it's it's really can you can we introduce people to sports? 
And, you know, especially in the Chinese market where there's this emphasis on education, uh, really educate people and say, you know, if you look at the stats, if you play sports, you actually have better grades, right? If you look at Fortune 500 uh, companies, their CEOs, 95% of them uh, played an intramural sport in college, maybe not on a college team, but played college sports. You know, so, you know, all the stuff that we know, teamwork, hard work, time management, all of that, right? Uh, I'm a hu huge believer in that. And just the doors it opens, and you know, especially for females, Title IX, right? So you know, that's their they had their their 50th anniversary uh, just you know a month or two ago. So the doors that you know, if you want to use sports to go to school, especially as a female athlete, it's super strong. Um, you know, and, and just what it opens is the people you meet. And you know, I played more basketball growing up than I did anything, and I rode, but. People don't look at me. If I say I play basketball, Jeff doesn't go, well, you know, let's go play basketball. But if I say I played golf and I'm a, you know, two handicap or a PGA of America member, I don't know how many times I've mentioned that. And someone says, well, can you play tomorrow? And the people you meet are incredible. Um, you know, so that's kind of what we want to do now. I will still run some events, but I'm, you know, we do 12,000, we have 12,000 kids in our program right now. And uh, in a post COVID environment, if we get through this in China, cause it's, still hanging around our head uh, quite heavily, you know, our goal is to be at a hundred thousand in five years. Right. Uh, sure. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool in the stories that they come back with are, you know, amazing. So. Yeah. That kind of, that kind of reminds me a little bit of the PGA junior league that they, that we have going on here in the States. My, my son participates and, and what a fantastic organization to bring kids together. And they, they put on a shirt that has a number on the back. They feel like they're part of a team. And they just play, you know, very fun games and, you know, nine holes in games and, and, and do clinics. And it brings all different types of kids um, into golf. It's fantastic. Yeah, look, I think the PGA has done a, a really strong job lately. The PGA of America, you know, the PGA Junior League, I think there are 50,000, 60,000 kids a year. Uh, you know, obviously the drive, chip and putt that they did with the USGA with, you know, with Augusta has been super successful. We run a PGA Junior Series in China as part of our partnership. So we'll do 20 events this year across China, about well, 15 maybe because of COVID. Uh, and then the, we have two exemptions into the junior PGA championship. So we send one boy, one girl um, back to that tournament. And I can probably say this now because it's going to take a while to come out. We just signed a partnership with the, P, uh, the AJGA. Uh, so we'll, they've never done an international event. Uh, so we're going to be running the first, uh, what they call AJGA pathway pathway series event in China, wow. uh, which is great. So that'll give uh, our winner, boy and girl, full status for the following year, uh, you know, to the AJG and then a bunch of PVE or, you know, stars for the, the kids that finish a little bit lower. And then we hope to grow that into a series event. So we worked, you know, really closely with Steve and, uh, you know, Jason at the AJGA over the last, I think, three or four years to try to get that off the ground. Uh, and we're super excited for that. So, but yeah, I think the PGA of America, if you look at what they're trying to do, they've got the amateur league now, uh, you know, so they're really trying to drive participation, uh, but the junior league's great. And we, we've, you know, I'd like to maybe do that in China uh, to get, to get the local, their head around a team environment, scramble, you know, it's like T-ball, I think is kind of that idea. Exactly. We want to do it. They tried to do it with another partner in China. It wasn't that successful. So we might, uh, again, kind of post COVID, <laughs> We might look at doing that, but it's been super successful here. And 
that I, I do think the, I think the governing bodies in golf lately have done a nice job um, in trying to get new people into the, into in top golf, all that, right? I mean, you know, it's a great time to be in golf right now. Absolutely. I'm not sure if Matt's still there or not. He had to jump on another business call. But yeah, I'm, I'm still here. Yeah. Okay, good. I pushed that back. Good, good. Well, J Jeff, if, if you don't mind jumping in and get, well, let's give Ray a break for one second, but what, what do you have in store for him today? Uh, are there any other friars joining uh, the four ball and, and what's, what kind of activities are, are going to, going to happen? Yeah, today we have, uh, so our foursome is uh, Sam Stillwell, who's one of our friar young pros, who you know well from the ice bowl at the end of uh, March, yeah. 2022, when we had North Carolina against Virginia. Right. Got pelted on. Um, Sam will be playing with us as well as Peter Hill, CEO oh of Buffalo Group and uh, one of the, uh, well, not CEO, chairman of the Buffalo Group and, and one of the principal founders and a uh, longtime friar as well. So it'll be a, a friar foursome today. There'll be a lot of, maybe a few cocktails. There'll be a lot of gambling. And um, I'm paying in South African <laughs> Rand, though, so it's fine <laughs> for me. Exactly. And then we're going to finish up um, also on property today. I have a shout out also on property today. Playing with Jackson Dealey is Hayes Wood. Uh, he's here from Utah, one of our great friars. And Hayes will be joining us for dinner tonight at the friary uh, when we're finished. They're playing about an hour behind us. Oh, very nice. You'll be able to hear him from a few holes ahead, though. You know that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. He, Hayes, I, you know, he leads the Utah chapter of Friars, and, um, you know, he's a, he's a unique guy. So we love having Hayes on property. He's here a couple times a year. Exciting. So I want to – I've got one one last one uh, for you, Ray. You mentioned – at minimum, I've heard you mention, uh, obviously lived in Wisconsin, sounds like Chicago – Hawaii, Hong Kong, and now South Africa. Can you power rank your, your, your favorite places you've lived? Um, I'm sure probably maybe by seasons would probably make it a little, little easier to do, but. Um, uh, is it easy? Like Cape Town is off the charts the best. Wow. I yeah. agree. I having been there, it's yeah. amazing. It's, it's um, I mean, Hong Kong is a big city is, is phenomenal. And everyone thinks it's this dense, dense city and, you know, I, I'd have to send you guys some photos, but I lived right on the water in Clearwater Bay. My home club there is like Pebble Beach. It's just mm. spectacular and you wouldn't know it, uh, you know, when you kind of come to Hong Kong. But uh, Cape Town, uh, you know, we always spent a couple months a year there and, and I didn't expect to live there. And uh, COVID kind of made that a reality. But, uh, you know, fantastic people, uh, so much to do great value for i mean incredible food as jeff would know but you know i uh i'm lucky that i'm working asia time so i wake up at 4 30 every day and uh kind of punch out my my kind of work day and i'm done early afternoon but i live in the middle of four or five wine wine wineries and there's just you know two hour drive you're you know so many things to do um i would highly recommend it i mean it's 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 not as hard to get to there's direct flights from both uh DC, New York, and I think Atlanta now, and maybe even Miami coming, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, do the safari, do the do the safari, do all that. I'm happy to help any friar 
who who needs help with any of that but there's some great golf um you did host anna redding didn't she yes yeah 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 amanda barber right yeah, yeah no we had a great round at aaron vale but yeah there's some great golf i mean i wouldn't say it's you know don't come just for the golf there's plenty of other places to do that but if you want to come for safari some great i mean look fan court's great leopard i mean leopard creeks off the charts um, and there's some great private club golf in johannesburg not that i would necessarily spend a ton of time there um uh, you know but it's a yeah i love it people are great um uh, really cool club atmosphere super open definitely come visit i'll be there so happy to host <laughs> so, yeah what's the uh, what's the vibe like is it you know around around these parts and with friars trips we uh you know we we have a few cocktails we have you know we're playing music on the course is you know what are your thoughts on music on the course and and if so what's on your playlist yeah that, that's funny you say that because i had uh i put my my boat my little bows was in my bag the other day my wife was like you know what are you doing with that and i'm like i'm just playing music like she's like what you know this is yeah She's British South African, a little more conservative. And uh, I've got a group they are quite, we always play music and have some fun. I, I'd say it is a little more typically traditional because it's a, you know, it's a, a Commonwealth state, right? Or, you know, Commonwealth country. So, uh, but it's changing, but look at, um, as a culture, you know, they're big, well, we, they call it a braai in Afrikaans, right? So barbecue centric, very open. I mean, we're always having people over our house uh, so, you know, it's that kind of, I really enjoy it. It's, a, you know, Hong Kong, we didn't do a ton of that. And that's a little bit of most people are living in apartments, but, and also just the general kind of vibe. But uh, it reminds me of America, right? You meet somebody and you're like, oh, come on over, come over on Sunday. Let's, you know, throw some steaks on the grill or, you know, they call it uh borvors, right? Kind of like a, like a bratwurst, um, you know, and, and definitely they, they drink heavily there and there's copious amounts of wine and, and definitely yeah, rugby and, you know, they're massive sporting nation, right? So it, uh, yeah, yeah I, I have one question for Ray. Have you, uh, had a drink out of the claret jug with Elliot or with, uh, Ernie Els? No, I have not. I was at his winery. Oh, yeah. Now there, it was fine. We were out with my wife and, and that place is, he just redid it and it's hard to get a booking. Right. So we've tried to get in a couple of times and it wasn't, you know, while we're full, yeah, we're out driving around. I said, let's just pop in. And, uh, and, and I left and I have a little son, I have a little baby right now. So I left my wife in the car and I walk in and I just said to the, the, you know, major, not major D, but the hostess. And I said, yeah, I said, I met Ernie a while ago and he just said to pop in and ask for him. Uh, you know, and if he's here, just, you know, he hooked me up for a table you know, she's looking at me like, Who's I got the very, I'm throwing my like strong American accent on, you know, you could tell she's like flustered, like what's going on and who's this guy and, you know, ended up. Oh, let me check and you know, we might be full. You know, we got in awesome afternoon, beautiful view, great food. And obviously I hadn't spoken to Ernie at all, but <laughs> she didn't know that. My, my wife loves that story. So it, uh, yeah, tons of fun. You've got a nice little place where you, you know, you hit little pitches into like a 25 yard thing. And if you make it, they give you a bottle of wine and, and uh, yeah. Nice. Very nice. Matt, anything else for, for you? No. Um, Definitely gonna have to. I'll give you a call next time I'm in the neighborhood of Cape Town. But uh, you really, really, really make it sound appealing. It's uh, no, it's fantastic. I'd love to host another Friars trip, and actually, we we should still do one in a post-COVID environment because I don't think anyone's keen to do a little bit of quarantine. It's down to three days in Hong Kong, which isn't too bad. But uh, I'd love to do an Asian trip as well. 
So that'd be great. Yeah. Well, uh, Ray and, and, and Jeff, thanks a lot for joining us today. Uh, you know, on behalf of Matt and the entire Friars group, we appreciate your generosity of the time. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you sometime in the future uh, on and off the golf course. Hey, I'm just going to throw this in. Uh, you may cut this, but uh, Ray will be at the President's Cup, Scott. So you, you guys should, you, you and Matt should meet Ray. Yeah, well, uh, um, yeah, we'll definitely be. I'll definitely be there Friday, Ray. If you're going to be in town that that whole weekend. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm actually probably only going to be there this Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm going to fly down and catch uh, the final round of the Junior Presidents Cup, obviously because it's AJGA. They do sure. AJGA, and then just maybe the Wednesday for a few um, few meetings. So there you go. Okay. Well, if we can figure it out uh, those days, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, we'll keep in touch for sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, that, that's all for me. I, I appreciate the time for sure. You guys have fun today. I'm jealous. Thanks. And look yeah. forward to uh, getting on the golf course together. In the Driver off the first, you hit it OB. So it's back to the box, hitting three off the tee. Skull wedge to the front of the green, then three putt. I think it's time for a drink. And some friends will go till we reach the 19th hole at the end. Keep it rolling till the sun goes down. There's nowhere else I'd rather be than playing around.